Our Father and our God, we are grateful once again that we're able to assemble together as your people, as we've been reminded of the affliction that your people are experiencing all over the world. We are indeed blessed to be able to assemble like this without such threats of violence and victimization. Help us, Lord, we pray this morning as we endeavor to hear from you to embrace what you will say to us in order that we may order our lives according to your will and your purpose for us in spite of the challenges and the difficulties we face. Father, as I come before you, I come as a humble vessel, willing and obedient to just do your bidding. There's nothing in and of me that wants anything of any great measure other than being used by your spirit to fulfill your purpose, to carry out your will. And so, Lord, I commit your word to you today as I commit your servant and as I commit the hearers of your word, both present and those outside of the four walls of the sanctuary via technology, that you will indeed be glorified and honored with all that transpires henceforth today. For we ask you in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen. In your bulletin, you have a caption of what we're going to talk about today, but after a little over a month, we're into February, true to its name, to add value-added tax has only added more stress and anxiety to the other overwhelming issues that make life and the livelihoods of many so much even more tougher. And so today, more than at any other time, many are embracing that age-old adage. You could probably finish this. When the going gets tough, you guessed it, the tough gets going. But the question is, as Christians, do we also embrace this old adage. Is this for us too? Are we as Christians supposed to get tough when the going gets tough? How do we cope? What are we supposed to do when the going gets tough in our lives? Well, this morning we want to look at some recommendations from Jude about what we have to do when tough times come. Many of us today are enjoying the benefits of the reduced gasoline prices as a result of the reduced oil costs. Well, in the industry that I'm in, we design and we, uh, we design vessels, cargo vessels, and the low oil cost is not good for our industry. Because you see, when the oil prices were high, we decided that we were going to design ships that would operate on LNG. And with 20 projects now on hold because of the oil prices, for our business, things are tough. And that's only one industry. Many of us are going through difficulties in our lives today that are making things 
tough and we are having to cut back. So let's see what James or Jude has to say today about what we do when the going gets tough. Jude verses 17 to 21 reads, But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus said. They told you that in the last times there will be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. As a young boy growing up, one of my favorite uh, television programs that I enjoyed watching were westerns. We call them cowboys and crooks. Bonanza and the Lone Ranger. And I think the Wild Wild West was one of my favorites with Jim West and all those fancy and interesting gadgets that he came up with. Well, then we would go as boys and we would go out and uh, we would be energized and enthused to go out and play cowboys and crooks. Well, one of the obvious central fixtures of action and drama in most of those westerns that we watched was the saloon. One day during America's wild, wild west period, the owner of an old saloon hired a small, thick-looking cowboy to be a bartender. That was a dangerous job in those days. And uh, he gave him one piece of advice. He said that if you ever hear that big John is coming, whatever you're doing, drop everything and run for cover. Well, everything went fine for the first few weeks until one day a cowboy rushed into the saloon shouting, Big John is coming! Big John is coming! In a matter of seconds, the saloon was empty. As people dove out of every window and door that they could find. But in the commotion, the little anemic-looking cowboy bartender got knocked down. And by the time he was able to pick himself up, he saw a huge man with a bushy black beard riding up to the saloon on a buffalo using a rattlesnake for a whip. The man was so huge that when he walked into the saloon, he tore both doors off the hinges flung the rattlesnake in one corner of the saloon, and with a single sub of his massive fist, he split the counter from one end to the other. Then he grabbed the little bartender by his throat, and he lifted him up off the ground and brought him to what an inch of his nose, they were nose to nose, and he demanded a drink. Then he tossed the little guy off like a piece of dirty rag. Well, the little bartender picked himself up, and he slid him a bottle took the ball and he broke off the head and he swallowed the contents with a single gulp. Then he smashed the bottle into the mirror, shattering the mirror. But as the massive intruder turned to leave, the little bartender said, do you want another drink? The man growled, not me. I'm getting out of here. Big John is coming. 
we've all found ourselves in those situations where we thought that Big John was already there. When in reality, reality, Big John was still coming. What are the Big Johns that are looming on your horizon today? What are the fearful Big Johns that you are anticipating and fearful of coming on the scene? Is it sickness? Some health issue? Is it financial woes, probably compounded by that? Is it a strained relationship with somebody that you can't seem to come to any kind of resolution on? Is it difficulties on the job? You've probably got a troublesome or difficult co-worker. Is it pressure from unsaved relatives and family members about your faith, about you becoming a Christian and serving the Lord and being dedicated and committed to God? What is it? When the big joins of life's perplexities combined with the fear of uncertainty makes life tough for us. What exactly is the Christian supposed to do? To the intimidations and crucifying experiences life puts us through, Jude recommends four responses. Just four. When the going gets tough, look back. Verse 17, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ said. Jude's counsel to the believers of his day, facing tough times in the form of victimization at the hands of ungodly, difficult radicals, was basically threefold. First, he reminds them that they were warned about the danger ahead of time. You were told that this day would come. Secondly, he encourages them to keep themselves strong, keep themselves in strong spiritual shape. And then thirdly, he advises them to exercise discernment when ministering to those victimized by false believers. And so the challenge Jude gives us today is look back by remembering what happened before. When the going gets tough in the present, look back at the past. What are we looking for? Look back by remembering the Apostle Paul's warning. Acts chapter 20 verse 29 He says, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Jude wants us to remember that because it's going to happen. Look back by remembering the Apostle Paul's caution to young Timothy when he says, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. And that is happening today as we speak. He says, look back by remembering the Apostle Peter's warning. Dear friends, don't be surprised 
are the fiery trials you are going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. See, the normal attitude of many Christians today is to look at persecution as strange and unusual, causing them to be surprised when they have to suffer. But according to what Peter tells us, as Christians we should consider suffering as part of the normal experience of our Christian pilgrimage. It's part and parcel of this Christian life, this journey that we are all on. And that we are to be a part of why? Because we have no right to expect any better treatment from the world than what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ received. No expectation of anything better. It's a sobering fact of life today that anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There's no way around it. It may be subtle, but it will come. And it is especially true that all who take a direct stand for Christ will become targets of Satan's most savage attacks. See, one of the things that we need to understand about Satan is he doesn't waste his ammunition, ammunition on anyone who is only a Christian in name only. He doesn't waste ammunition on people like that. Instead, he turns his big guns on those who are storming the gates of hell through their life of godliness and sacrificial service. If you're living for Jesus Christ, Satan is going to target you. You can expect it. Those who went before us told us that there would be days like this. So don't be surprised when reality of tough times comes in and sort of body slams you. We were told it's coming. And so Jude reminds us, Jude recommends that we, we look back, that we remember what the apostles taught. Look back by remembering the word that has been given to us because for perilous times, the Bible always speaks a word of comfort and consolation. Look back by remembering what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself promised his disciples and us by extension. He says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. See, Jesus promises that he will never leave us without the protection, the power, and the perspective that only God's love can provide. Jesus said he will be with us through every experience we encounter. I'll never leave you, he said. But then we had to also look back by remembering how the Apostle Paul built on Jesus' promise when he proclaimed to the believers at Philippi. And this same God who takes care of you will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us 
in Christ Jesus. Look back, Jude says, by remembering Paul's reminder to the Corinthians of another promise that he made. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you attempt it, he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. But then look back by remembering what Jude says today. Verse 18 and 19. They told you that in the last days there would be scoffers whose purpose in life, notice, their purpose in life, all that they're living for, is to satisfy their ungodly desires, all of those ungodly passions that they have. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you accept gossip from. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. Jude explains that these mockers have three major characteristics that are clearly identifiable. He says they are sensually oriented persons as evidenced by the natural way they think and act. They are carnally minded people. They are carnal people. They cause divisions by attracting disciples for themselves or following for themselves and, and divide people into different groups according to the development of their apostasy or their falling away. Then he says something that's interesting that we all already know. They were never born from above. In other words, they were never saved to begin with. They were never born from above. So this, they do not have the Spirit of God in them. As a result, they are incapable of understanding the things of God. And we wonder why people who are in church all the time can't seem to obey the Word of God. When the going gets tough, remember the promises Jesus made. He will be with us. He will supply all our needs. He will provide avenues of escape. These words of promise are worth remembering when we encounter the difficult challenges of tough times. When the going gets tough for us, let's look back by remembering the warnings of those who paved the way for us along with the promises of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to us. So three things we can remember. Remember those who paved the way for us, and we remember the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ to us. And that's what Jude is challenging us to do today, as we encounter the difficult times that make things so tough in our lives. But he also reminds us and recommends that when going gets tough, to look in. Not only do we look back, but we also must look in. Verse 20. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. 
Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we look in? We we look in by developing a firm foundation of faith to stand on. We were talking about faith in our Sunday school class this morning. That wasn't the subject, but that's what we got on. Because it's a problem that many believers have. They want God to do all kinds of things for them, but they don't have the faith to give God the enabling to do it. And so we look in by developing a firm foundation of faith to stand on. And this can only happen by building ourselves up in our most holy faith. The Bible makes it very clear how this building up happens, how this building up is supposed to take place. First of all, as we desire the word. Now, I can tell you, there are not many believers today who are desiring God's word. Not many. They see it as a long, drawn-out ritual that they just don't want to be bothered with. But this building up happens as we desire the word. Peter says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. But he adds, cry out for this nourishment. Is that something we're doing today as believers? The only way we can be built up is by desiring God's word. But he also says, this building up happens as we hear the word. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. And then he says, as we obey the word. See, it's not, a good, it's not good enough just to desire it and to hear it. Many people don't have a problem hearing it. But the challenge is obeying the word. 1 John 2, 5, but those who obey God's word truly show completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Notice, that is how we know we are living in him. Because we are obeying the word of God. As a pastor was interviewing a young seminary graduate for a position in his church, uh, one day he was, he was interrupted by the graduate who said, he said, you don't understand, pastor. I don't want to be an education man. I want to be a preacher. The pastor pointed out that his degree was in education, not theology. But he responded, I already know all I need to know about the Bible. I got a degree in education so I could know how to run the church. Many Christians today are just like that young graduate. They think they know all they need to know about the Bible. But as an old professor once said, to study infinity requires eternity. Continuous commitment to the study of God's word is vital Absolutely essential if we are to be built up into the kind of person who can truly stay focused when the going gets tough. And so we are not only to look back when things get tough, we're not only to look in when the going gets tough, 
But we also to look up. Jude's next recommendation is keep yourselves safe in God's love. Now notice what Jude doesn't say. He doesn't say keep on loving God. Why? Because we know that we all have a love that wavers. Our love is not consistent. Our love is fickle. Our love ebbs and flows. Goes by basically how we feel it. But whenever we meet or hear of someone who impacts and influences our lives and well-being in a positive way, we find ourselves looking up to that person for our own benefit and good. We, we identify some things about that person that will be good for us. And so we find ourselves following that person around like a little puppy dog, looking up to them, hoping that whatever they have, we could get a little bit of and make our lives a little bit better. Well, Jude encourages believers today to keep themselves safe by looking up to God's love, by focusing on God's love, which does not waver. Is that something that we're doing? Especially when things get difficult and tough for us? See, what Jude wants believers to see is how keeping ourselves safe during tough times differs from what the world recommends when we're going through tough times. The world's recommendation is when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. So you better get on with the program. In other words, you need to get tough when things and times get tough with you. That's the world's recommendation. And sadly, many believers are following the world's recommendation. And as a result, they're having more compounded issues when they go through tough times in their lives. But Jude says that we keep ourselves safe by not getting tough in our own strength, but in God's love to us as his believing children. And it's the only guarantee for being kept safe. Jude's point here is that regardless of how hard we try by getting tough, we cannot and will not keep ourselves safe unless God in his love is the one who's keeping us. And so believers are nurtured by being occupied with God's love and staying in fellowship with him, remaining in unbroken fellowship with the Lord. God's love can be compared to Sunshine. We know what sunshine is like. We know what it feels to feel the rays of the sun. Especially in this kind of weather where many of us are tropical birds. Little piece of wind blow and everybody's pulling out the big jackets. However, however, we can find ourselves blocked from the sunshine whenever something comes between us and the sun. So it is with God's love. Its beaming rays are always on us, always there, except when sin comes between us and God, preventing us from enjoying his love in practice, preventing us from enjoying the practical application of his love. We can, however, keep ourselves safe in God's love by living in holiness 
ungodliness. But if sin should happen to come into our lives, if sin should happen to raise its ugly head and disrupt our lives, the Bible has given us a clear option from God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. So the secret to keeping ourselves safe in God's love is to prevent anything from becoming, from coming between us and God. The Apostles' statement to the Philippians provides a positive example of this principle. Philippians 1.21 says, For me, for to me, Living means loving, living for Christ, and dying is even better. What Paul meant was that his entire life was lived in the realm of God's love as it is revealed in Christ Jesus. Is that how you're living your life today? Jesus' parable of the prodigal son recorded in Luke 15 provides a negative example of this principle. Notice, the prodigal son was still his father's son when he decided to take his inheritance and go and squander it on riotous living. He was still his father's son. By leaving and taking what belonged to him did not change his position as being his father's son. He still was his father's son. He still belonged to his father. But he had personally removed himself from that place where he could enjoy the benefits of his father's love. How do we keep ourselves safe in the love of God? Jesus answered that question in the intimate communion of his last night with his disciples. When he said in John 15.10, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. You get it? When you obey my command, when you do what I say, when you do as I say, you remain in my love. But then he gives himself as an example by continuing, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. You see, Jesus was not one who, like many today, would say, do as I say, but not as I do. He says, I'm telling you to do exactly what I did. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And so when the going gets tough, the challenge or recommendation Jude gives us is to look up. Look up to the all-embracing protectiveness of God's love for safety. But it's not all that Jude reminds us of. Not only are we to look back and look in, look up, but we are also to look ahead, look to the future. Jude's fourth and final recommendation is verse 21, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. See, in verses 20 and 21, Jude uses two triple emphasis expressions of assurance. Two of them. First, he uses the Trinity. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then secondly, combining faith, hope, and love to provide an extremely deep sense of absolute security. As we look ahead, while in the middle of life's toughest challenges. So even though we are clearly challenged here to build ourselves up and to pray in the Holy Spirit and to keep ourselves in the love of God, this building and praying and keeping should not be our foremost focus in getting us into heaven. In spite of all our diligence, in spite of all of our earnestness, in spite of all of our self-denial, in spite of all of our watching and obedience, we must still look ahead for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life, according to what Jude says here. Always looking ahead to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and how it impacts us in terms of eternal life. This means that we should live constantly in an atmosphere of eager anticipation because we know without a shadow of a doubt that when Jesus comes, he will not only deal with us in mercy, but he will take us to the place that he has prepared for us in the Father's house. Jesus says in John, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And one day I'm going to come and I'm going to take you to that place that I have personally prepared for you. Many of us are, as believers are looking forward to that place. People talk about looking forward to their mansions in glory. That's Jesus' promise. And so Jude says, listen, when you're going through tough times, don't dwell on the present. Look to the past. Look ahead and see what God has in store for you. Little girl's body was physically different from all of her friends because of some birth defects. And even though her mother protected her as much as she could, when that little girl started attending school, she faced the cruelty the cruel reality that is often expressed by children. And after the first day of school, she returned home, washed in tears, crawled into her mother's lap and cried, Mommy, why did God make me like this? That wise mother with compassion responded, Honey, God's not through with you yet. And so for us, for us, if we find ourselves panicking with fear or feeling sorry for ourselves because of the tough times we're going through and we are, we, are, we are challenged to throw a great big pity party for ourselves and look at the world and say, oh, look at sorry little me. The challenge is we are to remember that God is not through with you yet. So keep on serving. Keep on living for Jesus. As Christians, our duty in times of apostasy and falling away is to seriously contend for the faith, fully trusting God to keep us from stumbling by living in continuous consciousness of God's love 
through Jesus Christ. Looking ahead to the day when we will be presented before him with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So what exactly as Christians are we supposed to do when the going gets tough? When there is more months at the end of the money? When we are being persecuted and afflicted by those who say they love us and care for us? We are to look back. We are to look in. We are to look up. We are to look ahead. Because by doing so, we can stay focused enough to remember what Jude says in verse 24. To remember him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless and with great joy. Amen. Father, we are grateful today for another reminder of who you are, what you're capable of doing, and even more so as we put our trust and our confidence in you, as we determine to dwell in the safety of your love, as we determine to remember your word and those who challenged us from the past on how we are to order our lives in the present. Lord, help us to remember. Help us to look back. Help us to look in. Help us to look up. Help us to look ahead. And in our doing so, may you be glorified by our walk of obedience and our action of diligence. For we ask it in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen.